Hey everyone, it's Monday, so we've got another episode of the Road to Revenue series. We took over the Breakfast of Champions, IG, TikTok, and of course over 50,000 people in the webinar training. And we hosted a BYOQ. That's right, you bring the questions, I'll bring the answers. And we brought some great answers about Finder's Fee, Five Daily Practices. But we also talked about my favorite book, and found out who the monster at the end of the book was. Tweet me at David Meltzer, your favorite takeaway from today's episode, and check the show notes to see how you can text me or email me at any time. This is Entrepreneurs, The Playbook. All right, when we get started here, let's uh, take the first question online. Uh, So why do you say to study human nature is the question. Um, So I, I don't study human nature. What I study is history. Um, I like to study history from Sanskrit on, uh, there's these 12 lessons in Sanskrit that I I run my life by to and through, but if you study history, what you'll learn is human nature. And the greatest lesson that I've learned about human nature is it never changes. And so if we're going to skate to where this puck is, if we're going to figure out an exit plan, if we're going to have different strategies, uh, that have a statistical advantage in decision-making process it helps if we know human nature because human nature never changes and any dependent variable a variable that doesn't change is one in which can help our statistical success uh, in that decision-making process so study history learn human nature skate to where the puck is learn to connect the dots backwards and utilize as many dependent variables as you can We'll take a, another uh, question uh, and um, we'll uh, keep on taking questions here and on IG. Thank you. They're loading up. Keep putting your questions in. What kind of questions do you ask to perturbate someone and why? Um, so first of all, Marshall Thurber wrote a book uh, called Social Deviance. And in it, he has a strategy of perturbation. Perturbation is the process of shaking things up. Uh, it's a methodology used by coaches, uh, mentors, someone that can explain what they do for and to and with you. A mentor can explain from situational knowledge, experience and expertise. But a coach is someone that brings the best out of you. And one of the methodologies of bringing the best out of you is to perturb, perturbate a situation. And so it's so important that we disrupt in order to raise awareness so that we can find out how to grow, learn, accelerate, expose. One of the books that uh, also is aligned with that is uh, Stephen Hertz wrote a book called Don't Take Yes for an Answer. Uh, If we're always in the comfort zone, if we're not in the learning zone, if we're not trying, accelerating, and growing, then we're not in a position uh, to perturbate, right? We're we're not, We, we need to grow so we need to create a challenge of stress so that we can grow. See, we're an adaptable organism uh, and the, uh, we limit how much adaptability that we have uh, out of fear and other ego-based consciousnesses. But in that adaptable uh, existence that we live, the more stress we put on the adaptability, the more we'll grow, learn, et cetera. And so if we use speed as a factor into recovering, So those that recover faster, so if we're an ego-based consciousness, for example, and you can recover in minutes and moments instead of days, weeks, months, and years, you'll have less 
interference between you and what you already are. The same physically, right? If you can recover faster, it's a huge advantage over anyone else, even more than if they can outperform you. And so a lot of people should shift their perspective and paradigm, perturbate themselves and others in order to bring the most out of them. Be a great coach to others and to yourself by perturbating them. Check out Marshall Thurber's book. Uh, it's an incredible insight onto what we're talking about. Um, next question. Why is having a fighter's fee template so important? Um, this is something that I'm stressing for everyone because I think uh, it's a matter of abundance. Uh, it's a matter of understanding that people love to help other people. People love to help other people. But for some reason, um, when we help people, we feel so great. We deny other people from feeling great because we don't have radical humility. We think we're bothering them. We think somehow it diminishes our capacity, separates us from them, makes us inferior or superior to them. But I'm telling you, asking for help, uh, which is why I created the Finders Fee Agreement, because not only uh, are we asking for help and giving help, but we're monetizing it. Um, and so, you know, having a predetermined value uh, to helping others and benefiting from it just inspires the benefits even more. And if I look back on my career, especially the first 20 years of it, I left millions and millions of dollars on the table if I just simply would have asked, hey, more than happy to introduce you to that developer, but I'd like a finder's fee. Uh, more than happy, I like an introduction fee if there's a success, right? A success fee. And I'd be happy to give you one. This is what I'm looking for. If you make introductions for me, uh, I'll be happy to do that as well. So the best thing that technology has allowed for these finder's fees is the ability to uh, search them and remember them and reposit them, meaning that, you know, whether it's a dentist, an eye doctor, a real estate person, a financial planner, whatever I'm referring, all I need to do is type in a search for it. It comes right up and I can remember, remind and recollect who that person was and collect and recollect a financial gain that will aggregate upon itself. And I'm helping other people's and making them feel good. And it will remind them to help me. So these are all things that we want to do. If anyone wants the finder's fee agreement, all you got to do is email me, david at dmeltzer.com. I will send you the template for the finder's fee agreement so that you can not only help other people, but comfortably ask for help. It's not that you don't trust the other person. It's that you want to remember. Uh, so remember, you know, that's the energy of it. But if you like that template, just email me, david at dmeltzer.com. All right, we'll keep these questions coming. Thank you so much. Keep on adding them in here. These are great. Uh, we got a lot to go through. So it's BYOQ Friday training. We've been doing it over 21 years. Join us. You bring the questions. I'll bring the answers. Email me for that finder's free agreement, david at dmelter.com. Advice for someone who wants to start their own podcast. Uh, okay, over 2 million podcasts is this. And most of them uh, don't last like business. 99% of them don't last for a year. Uh, so one, if you're going to start a podcast, determine what you want from it. You don't want to try it. You want to create a business from it. What do you want from it personally, experientially, giving and receiving? And then buy the equipment uh, to create a podcast, which is very inexpensive, and then start doing them. Whether it's you individually, whether it's you and someone else, whether it's you and someone else interviewing someone, whatever it is, start doing them and do at least 10 of them before you post any of them. 
do at least 10 of them before you post any of them and learn and grow and figure out what exactly you want to do personally, experientially, giving and receiving wise, and then decide what you want to do next. All right, let's figure this out. Uh, here we go. Um, we talked about the difference between a coach and a mentor, but what is your favorite part about mentoring programs? There's a couple of things that I love about, you know, mentoring pr programs for me is um, what I learn. And I learned two things, especially by mentoring people. And I suggest to everybody, Kim Perel, wait a second. Is that really Kim Perel? Did you know she just launched an incredible book? I'm coming to visit you, Kim. I texted you during your launch of your book, but I know you're busy called Jump. This woman is the bomb. Uh, so I have to give a big shout out to Kim. Follow her, buy her books. Please let me come visit you. I miss you. I love you. Anyway, the mentoring, there's two things uh, about mentoring I love. One, I learn what people are listening for. I learn what people are listening for. And then two, um, most importantly, I take my own advice. So many times when you mentor and coach people, it's incredible. What happens is you sit there and you tell someone some great advice and then you're like, oh yeah, I should really take that. So my two favorite things, my two favorite things about it is uh, learning what people are listening for and of course, learning myself. There we, we go. go. First up, let's go with David Moreno. Dave, if you can please unmute yourself, that would be great. Good morning. Happy Friday. What's up, Glenn? Darian, congrats on the uh, album dropping. That's big. Much success and love to you, brother. Um, Dave, I have a question, my man. Um, so we speak about the power of habit, and obviously it takes 21 days to create a ha habit in your quantum being. Um, can we shed some light on how to get back on the wagon when you get off your habits, the initial uh, time when you're trying to set that habit and create that consistency, what advice do you have to get back on? That's a great question. And, you know, habits are the hardest thing uh, because we have an ego that interferes and tells us, no, no, you, you don't want to do that good thing every day because it takes so long to see a result. It's much easier to do the bad thing every day because we'll never see the result or you don't think you'll see the result because it takes equally as amount of time for it to aggregate and, and show itself. So what do we do? We lower the bar. Unfortunately, through especially sports, we've tried to train people to raise the bar, right? We have this great idea of comparison and, 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 and achievement, uh, but that's all well and good to make sure that we have our milestones. We want to be a better quarterback than Warren Moon. We want to be a better singer than Darian, whatever our goal or objective is, but you cannot attach your emotions to that because it's too big of a mountain to handle in a day. When you do uh, fall off the wagon, as you suggest, which everybody does, number one, think time first. I want to get back on as fast as I can. I want to spend minutes and moments in interference. I am happy, healthy, wealthy, and worthy. I'm just doing this to interfere with what I already am. So I'm going to spend minutes and moments. And then in order to readjust the subtlety of what you're doing, lower the bar. Just tell yourself, if you haven't worked out in two weeks, tell yourself, you know what, tomorrow, just going to put on my tennis shoes. Watch what happens. You'll put your tennis shoes on, then you put the rest of the gear on. Then you'll say, you know what, I'm just going to drive to the gym, turn around, come back. But then you'll get to the gym. You'll say, you know what, I'm going to go in and, and maybe do 10 minutes on the elliptical. Pretty soon you're 30, 40, maybe even an hour into your first workout. Then wake up the next day, lower the bar again and see what happens. Because 
that body, mind, and soul, that conscious continuum, it starts working in your favor. And we all been there before for whatever habit we're trying to form where it turns into the reverse habit, meaning that we have to be careful about working out too much. We wake up in the morning and if we don't get to work on it, it's like as if we didn't want to work out. That's the desire that we have. It's like, oh, I got to work out. I, I, you know, and it has to be that way. So use what we are in your favor. Spend minutes and moments outside of what you want. And then most importantly, when you're doing what you don't want to do, remember, remind, and recollect one thing. Lower the bar, just get started. Motivation is fear-based. It'll get you up, get you back up, get you started, get you back started. But inspiration will get you there. Live in spirit. Live to your higher self. Consistently, persistently pursue your potential. And when you fall off the wagon, spend minutes and moments off the wagon, lower the bar to get back on. Use baby steps to get back on that wagon. Dave, that's an essential question. Thank you so much for joining me. Even a more great answer. Thank you. Great. Uh, amazing, Dave. Let's, uh, let's keep it going here. Um, of course. I'll take Dave. a question online. Is that all right, Jake? That's perfect. All right. Do you believe in New Year's resolutions? Um, I love that. So I believe in New Year's re resolutions in the respect that every day I believe in resolutions, right? Re-solutions. That's what a resolution is. It's the beginning of a day. And that's why I have the five daily practices of knowing my what every day. That's my resolution. What do I want today? It's so much easier to achieve and stick to one day than one year. And so my New Year's resolution on December 31st is December 31st is re-solution. And January 1st, it's a re-solution. And there's some subtleties and adjustments that I make because I'm not afraid of being a hypocrite. I'm not afraid of changing my mind. I'm not afraid of telling all of you, you know, one day that I think this is, you know, terrible and the next day it's terrific uh, for me, my personal, experiential, giving and receiving. It, this is what I'm doing. And I'm ignorant and, and humble in the fact that I don't know what I don't know. But the one thing that I do know is that which knows, the higher source that I believe in, that knows everything, that's all powerful. I know one thing, and I fight it sometimes, but I know it, that there is a greater source that loves me as much as not more than I love my own children. Therefore, in these re-solutions, when pain, mistakes, and failures cause me to re solution what i'm doing to change my mind to adjust from mistakes setbacks failures etc when that occurs what do i do i see it as promotion i see it as protection i do not see it as punishment because i know one thing and one thing only that there is something greater than me that cares about me more than i care about my own children so new year's resolutions are the same as any other day take the resolutions every day know your what Know your who, who you can help and who can help you. Figure out how to get it done by being productive, by providing value, by being accessible, by accessing what you want and being accessible and connected to and through others. And of course, being gracious, always seeking the light, the love and the lessons in everything that you do and determine whether it's worth your time. Your man-made constructive 24 hours of activity time. Determine how much it bleeds you or feeds you to determine and prioritize that by knowing what to do now because you now know in this resolution, this resolution, what's important to you. And when we know what's important to us, we know how to prioritize it. And when we have a overwhelming list of things to do and we feel so overwhelmed, 
we then shift that into blessed. We put it into appreciation that we must be living in an abundance. So for all of you that are feeling overwhelmed, that you have too much to do, you better be grateful. You better be grateful because you're living in abundance because you're starting to feel what it's like to live in infinity, to live in limitlessness with more than enough of everything for everyone, with more than enough opportunity and more than enough capability to do whatever you want, knowing you're what, you're who, you're how, and you're now. And if this is the case, then you're applying your why every day in your re-solutions, in your learning, in your lessons. A re-solution allows you to adjust each day individually, allows you to aggregate and compile and compound and accelerate everything that works in your favor in your favor and all it takes is a touch of favor to change your life so everyone i believe in new year's resolutions but that's just one of the resolution days i got 365 of them three uh, years and 366 resolutions the other year every fourth year uh, so everyone please think about resolutions daily resolution your life every day with the five daily practices what who how and now Learn to apply your why. You're already happy, healthy, wealthy, and worthy. What are you doing to interfere with it? You don't got to go get happy, healthy, wealthy, and worthy, right? You don't have to go get it. Just allow yourself to see what you're doing to interfere with it. What a phenomenal way, uh, and appreciate that question. It's uh, definitely timely for everyone. All right, Jake, what do we got up next? Yes, and uh, seek the light, love, and lessons in all that you do incredible line right there. If anyone would like to ask a question quickly on Clubhouse, please feel free to back channel me. We're here at the BYOQ Breakfast with Champions with David Meltzer. Also, feel free to use that plus bar. Invite your friends, family, anyone that you think would benefit from this conversation. Uh, Dave, next up, we've got a question from Kathleen from Instagram. And the question is, what lesson can we learn from nature that can be applied to business and our careers? Oh, adaptability, um, for sure. You know, nothing adapts more than nature um, and the way that it evolves in that adaptability to something better. Um, and I think, you know, one of the things I'm learning and studying is the skin, <laughs> you know, talk about nature. Uh, you know, it, it's so interesting that the skin has its own memory and it has its own adaptability and how, you know, when you get out into the sun, the skin protects itself. It gets more tough and, and, and it, it's just amazing that, this organism, this nature, and, and we are a part of that is so adaptable. But yeah, we don't have any faith uh, in the adaptability and the power of nature. Uh, remember, the four keys um, to life, the things that we should focus most on at its core are all natural. Nutrients, right? The more natural the nutrients, uh, and we need nutrients to live. If you don't eat, uh, you're not going to be alive. Uh, but I take that nutrients even farther in nature to understand, you know, what I'm feeding my mind, my body and my soul, because if you feed it the wrong things, you're going to live in a detriment and interference. And if you continue to grow by living at its higher self with those natural organisms in your nutrients and then water, water is an incredible uh, point of nature and we're 80% or more water, but it's a conduit water it conducts electricity, energy. And so the core of staying connected to and through everything is that all contains water so that we can share that energy. 
Uh, and so we have to be very conscious about, once again, the water that we're utilizing in our mind, our body, and our soul. And then the third one um, is air. You know, how do we breathe? What do we breathe? Uh, this is essential to living in our higher self and central and neutral uh, to allow the clearing of the interference. Uh, understanding breathing and the natural aspect of unconscious uh, performance of breathing and noting that we can consciously change our breathing to maximize our potential. And then finally, most importantly to me is sleep because it's the easiest one. It drives me absolutely insane that the majority of the people on earth are naturally supposed to sleep and the natural uh, objective of sleep is what? To get rest, to re recover, to put yourself into position, to plateau and grow to not live your life like a tube, putting food in and food out, right? What I want you to think about is, why do I go to bed to rest, recover, and access information, and I wake up more tired than when I went to sleep? It's absolutely crazy. And people do nothing about it. I can't imagine taking people out to eat with me for two and a half hours, walking out of the restaurant after we ate, drank, and even had dessert, and walked out, looked at each other, and said, man, I'm starving we would go back into the restaurant or at least figure out where we should be eating if we do not feel full. So if you're going to bed and you don't feel rested, you're not living in nature and you're not recovering correctly. You're not accessing the information that you need. You're creating a detriment. You're creating a drain. You're bleeding yourself through a process and a practice that should be elevating yourself. You're deflating yourself. So I want everybody to think about their nutrients. I want them to think about their hydration. I want them to think about their breathing, their air, and I want them to think about their sleep and how it too interconnects them with nature. Uh, and the one nature that I talked about earlier that will never change is human nature, uh, which creates a dependent variable a constant in our life to allow us to skate to where the puck is, uh, not hope to where it will be. Uh, all right, Jake, who do we have up next? Skate to where the puck is, is Wayne good. Gretzky. Yeah, next up we've got really special guest, Glenn Lundy wants to ask a question. Welcome, Glenn. Well, thanks for having me, Jake. I appreciate this. Mr. Meltzer, I've got a question for you, sir. You have a lot of wisdom. You speak on stages all around the world. You share that wisdom in such a powerful way. I love the way that you break down strategies and tools that we can use to elevate ourselves and those around us. I, I am curious, do you have, do you, is there anything, Dave, that you struggle with or are currently struggling with and how are you working through that in your life in this moment? Oh my goodness. Thank you for asking. And I struggle with so many things. I just spend minutes and moments struggling now instead of days, weeks, months, and years. But my number one struggle I, I can't be the sun. See, I, I'm, I, I want to be the sun. I, wanna, I want to uh, provide light and energy to all that I touch with no, no expectation of appreciation. I, you know, the sun doesn't sit there and say, I'm going to stop shining because you didn't say thank you. I'm going to stop shining because I don't feel like you appreciate me creating plastics and ruining my earth. or what. I, the, the sun never does that. And yet my human nature, you know, I, I have pushed myself, uh, perturbated myself to be a better person. 
uh, I went for about six weeks that culminated uh, with the Grow to God conference there with you, uh, Glenn, after coming into Portugal. And then I went to go film my TV show. And by the end, I pushed myself maybe a little bit too far as I learned. But I had this terrible feeling of un that I wasn't appreciated. And I had a need to be offended. I, I had a need to be offended when my entire purpose is to empower others, to empower others to be happy. And yet I still have a need, a need to be offended that, I, that somehow I did it out of a trade or a negotiation to be thanked or to be appreciated or recognized or acknowledged. And uh, I fight that so much because it's such an interference between my objective and who I am and my higher self. And I always tell people, man, the need to be offended is the easiest thing to feed. You know, I'm telling you, you, you got the need to be offended. You just walk outside, boom, it's right there. You can find anything. I, you know, we drive to the airport last night. Somebody cut us off and my wife was so furious. <laughs> and I looked at her and I said, well, I said, have you ever cut anybody else off? <laughs> Why are you so offended? Come on, maybe he didn't see you. I am sure he purposely didn't try to drive you off the road, you know. But we do it all the time and we waste so much of that beautiful energy that we have that could be utilized to elevate and we use it to deflate ourselves and others. And so I'm working so hard to identify why and how and if and the speed in which I can recover from a need to be offended. Here, here's the last thing, Glenn, I want you to, I found so interesting is after this period of time, I, I always have, you know, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday meetings that are mandatory for my entire company. And one of the exercises that I did, and I said, I'd like you to list out three things over this period of time that have brought us together, united us, recollected, reminded, created the collective consciousness and the attitude of gratitude, forgiveness, accountability, and effective communication. And I want you to give me the number one need that you had to be offended. The, the number one need that you had to be, I, I want to know, you know, what, what it was. And uh, almost everyone had the same one. I didn't feel appreciated. Isn't that interesting? All of us, all of us didn't feel appreciated. There's no expectation of appreciation. Appreciation is adding value. That's appreciation, not receiving thanks. Giving thanks is appreciation. And so uh, I'm working on that. I work on many other things, by the way. I, I am human. And I, my, my biggest thing, though, Glenn, with all the things I'm working on is speed. Because I know it, I'm, I'm going to have an ego that's going to bring these triggers. You know, people, places, things, and ideas are going to trigger me. And my better solution is to spend minutes and moments in that unconscious competency of ego-based consciousness instead of accelerating in the wrong direction, creating void shortages and obstacles. Uh, ho hopefully that helps everyone. And maybe a few of you out there have a need to be offended and have wasted time, emotion, value, and money, ruined relationships, and even parts of your life with the need to be offended. Rule number six applies. Don't take yourself so seriously. Glenn, I love you, man. And uh, I got some big news, Glenn. We, we got we to hook up. We got a huge streaming deal. Uh, that we're going to be announcing for some killer content. So look, looking for more people to do stuff with me and uh, get ourselves on uh, the, the biggest streaming channel uh, out there. So we're, we're excited, bro.
I cannot wait, man. You and I have a call tonight, which I'm super excited to learn more about it. And I appreciate you vulnerably, vulnerably sharing uh, that right there. I think that was really, really, really powerful. And I, sir, absolutely 100% appreciate you. So thank you so much. You are son to me, my brother, uh, S-U-N and S-O-N. So thanks so much. All right, Jake, I'm going to take a question online. Thank you, Glenn Lundy, for everything you do for everyone here on Breakfast of Champions. Just to reset the room myself, BYOQ is bring your own questions. I'll bring the answers. We're loaded up. We have almost 60,000 people on the webinar every week. I've been doing this for 21 years. Uh, and these trainings on Fridays have been incredible. Sometime I mix it into Clubhouse, which makes it even more fun. Let me take a question online that may help uh, other people as well. Um, <clears throat> this is interesting. What are the steps from turning an excuse into your story? <laughs> the, the key is faith. If you want to have uh, that paradigm shift of, you know, all the blame, shame, and justification, living in liability uh, that creates those interferences, those void shortages and obstacles. If you want to live into your story to enjoy the consistent, persistent pursuit of your potential in that story and not attach your emotions to an outcome, which causes liability because it causes you to blame, to create shame and to justify why you're not where you think you're supposed to be. But you need to have faith that when the pain, the setbacks and the failures, that you give excuses for happen, that it's not punishing you, that there's no ego damage involved, that it's not making you lesser, it's making you more. It's promoting you and it's protecting you. And once you shift your paradigm and perspective that pain, setbacks, failures and mistakes are simply making your story better, then why would you have an excuse for why your story's better? Um, so, you know, excuses are made when expectations, self expectations aren't met. And we feel as if we have to justify something that nobody needs to have justification for. This is why gratitude is so important because it allows us to find the light, the love and the lessons in that story. It allows you to forgive yourself for not being perfect, but it also allows you to be accountable, not excusable, accountable in the respect that you ask yourself, what did I do to, to attract this to my story? And what am I supposed to learn from it? And if you do, you are reaffirming and recollecting the connection, the effective communication, the faith that you're connected to and through this great source of omniscient, all-powerful love, and that that is your story. Your story is only getting better. My favorite story, by the way, is, and if anyone doesn't have this book, you should be reading it to your children once a week. My mom did to me. There's a book by Sesame Street. Uh, Grover's the star of it. If anyone likes the blue furry dude, uh, you might meet me. I'm the brown furry guy. Uh, but Grover, uh, he has this book and he tells you at the beginning of the book, there's a monster at the end of my book. Do not turn the page. <laughs> right? Think about that. Do not turn the page. And of course, you know, you're five years old and you turn the page and he's going crazy on the next page. Dude, what are you doing? You turned the page. Didn't you hear me? There's a monster at the end of this book. Do not turn the page, right? Live in blame, shame, and justification. Don't, put, don't turn the page. Stumble over the roadblocks behind you. Don't turn the page, please. In fact, he says, so 
I don't trust you anymore. I'm going to hammer this page together. And it shows the picture of him hammering. You know, this is old school. We didn't have anime, right? <laughs> old school to him with the hammer and wood. Of course, five years old, I turned the page and there's all the wood broken and terrified Grover. What are you doing? I just told you. And then he bricks the pages up. He cements the pages. And I keep turning the pages. And finally, you get to the end of the book after he has told you 10 times, there is a monster at the end of this book. Do not turn the page. And I turn the page. And there's Grover. And he's smiling and he's happy and it's peaceful. And he says, wow, I'm the monster at the end of the book. Just me, lovable, cuddly Grover. This is exactly what we do with our story. Are you gonna tell your story to not turn the page? Are you gonna tell your story that you're a victim, that everything's happening to you? Or are you living in a world of liability where everything happens for you as a trader and negotiation with the need to be offended, the need to be right, separate, inferior, superior, anxious, frustrated, guilty? Are you gonna to listen to the ego, the EGO edging goodness out of your life, telling you don't turn the page, because there's a monster at the end of this book. Stop turning the page, you're a victim. Stop doing it. Worry about what other people think about you. Worry about what's missing. Worry about what you don't have. I promise you there's a monster at the end of this book. Live in liability. Or are you gonna turn the page? And are you going to make those turns of the pages your promotion and your protection and your future? Is your story getting better and better? Because I promise you it's gonna end in one place, that story. This journey, this human journey that you're on, this human body that you've been given on a spiritual journey is gonna end in one place with one realization. And the realization is you are the monster at the end of your book. So get out of your own way and turn the page. All right, that's awesome. Jake, who do you got up next? And if anyone wants that book or wants to, wants to know what book that is, just email David. It's david at dmeltzer.com. Um, all right, Dave, next up, we've got a question here on Clubhouse. Uh, we've got Enrique Velez. How are you, Enrique? Welcome to the Clubhouse. If you could please unmute yourself. Good morning, everyone. Happy Friday. Blessed to be here. Uh, this is uh, definitely a learning awesome conversation. David, you're, you're always... Uh, you're always giving golden lessons and we appreciate you. And I want to thank you for everything you do, brother. You. I, I had a, uh, you're welcome. Thank you. Thank you. One question I, I, I did have is uh, sometimes, you, you know, you wake up in life and you, you, you always should be, in my opinion, appreciative of where you're at, what you're doing, where you're going. And as you mentioned, don't make excuses. Look at the facts and the numbers and, and then allow yourself to grow from there by putting your pride and ego aside which uh, we've discussed before. But sometimes you just have those days where everything feels off, your energy, your frequency, and, and one bad thing after another bad thing keeps happening. And you think to yourself is, you know, what have I done to bring this upon myself? Or is it just one of those days where it's a learning lesson? How do you see that in your mind? Is it something you brought upon yourself? Something the Lord's trying to teach you to prepare you to be better in the future? And how do you change that? Uh, in your mind, how do you change your energy and your frequency? My name is Enrique Velez. I'm with Nebot. Yeah, and I'm a big fan, by the way. So thank you, Enrique. Uh, probably one of the best marketing and packaging and best tasting 
uh, products that, I, that I've had. And I've worked with Grey Goose early on with Sydney Frank. So congratulations on your success. So there's a combination, uh, Enrique, that you have to think about. And it's what you have control of. Um, so you have control of your mindset, your heart set, and your hand set. And we need to, to reconcile accountability and a liability. And we have to incorporate faith. What do I mean by that? Well, accountability lives in the, in, in the realm uh, of thought, meaning what did I do to attract this to myself? Somehow that you played a role in attracting or allowing this to happen. And then two, most importantly, what am I supposed to learn from it? In the pragmatic world, there's rules, regulations, and liability. So we have to now reconcile the higher lesson with what do I do in the pragmatic world? Incorporated in that reconciliation between the liability and the accountability is faith. And so we have to apply faith and say, okay, um, and I'm gonna give an example for everyone. I'm sitting at a stop sign and someone is texting and driving and they slam into the back of my car. And so I say to myself, what did I do to attract this or allow this to happen? And what am I supposed to learn from it? So I immediately have faith that I'm supposed to be put into a better place, a better position. And somehow someone slamming in the back of me while they were texting was protecting me somehow. Now I'm not omniscient and all powerful and all knowing. So I don't even try to go there to figure out how. I just have faith that it's going to put me into a better place. <clears throat> now, I also live in the real world and I have car insurance and uh, there's state and federal laws uh, about vehicular damages. And I'm going to go utilize in this pragmatic journey as a human being, the liability to recover uh, the, from the rules of this game that I'm playing in this body that I have. And so I need to be able to reconcile the faith that, look, I allowed this to happen and I'm going to learn lessons from it. And it's putting me into a better place, a better position and promoting me, but in protecting me. But I also live in this world with mortgages and kids and college tuitions and all these other things. And I am not going to put myself at a detriment when that I'm playing this game at the rules that we all agreed to play within. And I've utilized the currency of money, the object of energy I put into the flow to get what I want to protect, protect me from physical damage. And I reconcile that with faith, that all of these things are in the construct of a higher source and all knowing source. And that I'm lucky because I'm paying attention and giving attention to the coincidences I want from getting slammed into at a stop sign. And I think if we can have the mindset of the reconciliation of accountability and liability, utilizing faith, and we can also have the heart set to feel, feel a certain way. We can have, you know, understanding that we control the way that our feel. Nobody can hurt your feelings. Nobody can. You can allow them to hurt your feelings. So you have control of your heart set. And then finally, I take it down to I have control of my handset, what I do in this human world that I've agreed to work in social contracts and mediums to obey or disobey, but to live in a world of liability 
so that I'm protected and promoted in the higher world as well. And I know it's a difficult lifetime journey to maybe even understand what I'm saying. Uh, hopefully the analogy helped a little bit. I know I'm still on my journey of understanding because I can't teach it to the level of effectiveness of what I know internally or intuitively, uh, but I'm working on it. And every time I get to answer this question, it helps me get more clarity, more balance and more focused on the reconciliation between accountability, liability, and how faith interplays within the context of that. Uh, hopefully that gave you a little bit more insight, uh, Enrique. Thank you so much. You gave me plenty of insight. I truly do appreciate it, David. Uh, you, you help, uh, I guess if I can say this, try to make life simpler by breaking it down, itemizing it. And when you do that, uh, to me, it's easier to accomplish your goals or overcome any obstacles, if I can say that. Um, because everything doesn't feel cluttered and you do it one at a time. Thank you. Thank you. All right, Jake, I'm going to take another question online. Is that okay? That is more than okay. Thank you. And everyone, please check out Net Vodka. It's unbelievable. Sorry, <laughs> <go ahead>. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shameless plug. That a boy, Jake. I know you don't drink too much of that, man. I need you. So uh, moderation in all things. Drink responsibly. Hate to be the Jägermeister commercial, but drink responsibly. All right, here we go. <laughs> um, uh, let me take a fun question. Who is your favorite athlete to watch right now? Um, I will tell you my favorite athlete to watch right now is Cam Newton. Um, and, I, and I'll tell you why. I was blessed to, to work with Cam Newton. Uh, Warren uh, and I got to work with him uh, pre-draft. And uh, for my business partner, Warren Moon, whose birthday was yesterday, by the way, 65 years old. I know he's going to kill me for telling anyone how old he is because he looks younger than me. But 65 years old, for him to tell me that Cam Newton was the most talented quarterback he's ever seen. And to see how he deals with setbacks, failures, and mistakes. To feel and to see what his ego has gone through from being the MVP of the league and on every commercial to being cut by the New England Patriots, and he didn't quit. He showed me that he had a desire that he must be what he can be. And when they took him back to his original team in which he was drafted number one in the draft from the Carolina Panthers. He came out and in that game was the best quarterback in the league, which means he was the best quarterback in the world. Amazing. Amazing how quickly a touch of favor, how quickly a touch of favor can change all the history. Did he make it? Was he a victim? Was he punished? No. He had faith of his skills and his knowledge and his desire. And he knew that he was being promoted. And my favorite athlete to watch right now is the one which I strive to do in my personal life. And I want you all to think about in your personal lives what it must have been like for Cam Newton with all the people saying all the things about him being done, being punished, no ego involved at all, but just enjoying the consistent, persistent pursuit of his potential until the day that came that a touch of favor says, here's an opportunity now that you are prepared mentally, physically, and spiritually. Now that you have the mindset, the heart set, and the hand set, you've learned the lessons of the ego as you were younger and MVP and going to the Super Bowl 
as the huge favorite and losing and then your physical manifestations injured you and that all the things that God did to promote you, Cam Newton. And thank you for learning the lessons and showing us that it is not a punishment, but a promotion. And that it's just a matter of time until we are allowed to pursue even a higher potential to plateau and grow. So thank you for that question. It's a little different. I am a sports person, but uh, I think that's a most valuable lesson that we can learn from, from an athlete. Jake, we still got some time, man. Let's get someone else up here. 12 minutes left. Next up, let's bring up a question here on Clubhouse. Uh, Anna Cancevelos, if you can please unmute yourself and welcome to the Yeah, and well said on my last name, Jake. That's not easy. <laughs> There's no easy feat and you said it perfectly. So thank you. David, I just want to say thank you and God bless you. Um, I was introduced to you earlier this year and and first heard you speak at Chandel's um, summer camp. And, you know, I, throughout the year, I've just seen you show up for people time and time again. Um, and my mentor, Bob Berg, of the Go-Giver, you are the epitome of the Go-Giver. You give of yourself. Um, you gave out your cell phone number, you know, and said, if anyone has a question, please feel free to call me and contact me. And so I just want to thank you for your heart and, and impact you make in this world. Um, my, my question is, during that conference, you had um, shared your five daily practices of know your what, know your who, know your how know your now and apply your why. Um, but someone in the audience asked you a question, which um, your answer surprised me, I'll, I'll be honest, um, because that, you know you hadn't spoken of that earlier in um, what you were sharing. And they said, what are your number one non-negotiable? And you said to focus one hour on your health every day. So I would love minimum, to- Minimum, minimum, don't, don't limit yourself, a minimum of an hour Minimum. And I love that and so fitting for this room because Glenn is getting us all up at 5 a.m., right? To start our days and get our bodies moving. And Let's I'm go. At 5 a.m. <laughs> I'm at 5.30, Glenn. I'm working on the five. Um, Keep up the great I work. It. I love it. I love it. Well, it's, it's all because of you, you know, just like I've said, you, you know, listening to God's nudge in your life to keep moving forward and just what you've done and created now in the movement you are creating is, is incredible. So I'm um, excited for the future of that. Um, so Dave, I'd love to ask, um, with your health, um, why do you say that? And do you break it up into not, I think when we think of health, we think physical, but you know, physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual, um, how do you focus on that? And how's that changed over time? What a great question. And I'm going to try to get through this one. You know, I'm a cry baby. So I'm so emotionally connected to this. Um, <clears throat> it's cause it's changed my life. My, my entire life, even after my quantum shift, my transformation, my shift in the paradigm of, you know, wanting to go get happy, healthy, wealthy, and worthy, and instead having faith uh, that I'm already happy, healthy, wealthy, and worthy, I'm just going to figure out what I'm doing to interfere with it. We, we recovered financially, right? I, I went from losing over $100 million with 33 homes in San Diego to a, a golf course, a ski mountain, to living in a rented house with rented furniture in one car three daughters under 10 years old, a pregnant wife with my fourth child. And I made it back. And so I asked my wife what I could do for her. Um, because, sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, she saved my life. 
And um, <clears throat> I asked her what I could do. And what she said surprised me because I've always put my family first. I've always put the activity that I got paid for second. And my health was always third. And anybody that knows if you put your family first and your activity get paid for second, very rarely do you choose to be healthy. And you give it away and you end up with the counterintuitive result of not being healthy, wealthy, worthy, and wise, and everyone having to take care of you. So my wife, with all her wisdom, said, all I ask is that you take care of yourself. All I ask, take care of yourself so you can take care of others. And so <clears throat> I made it non-negotiable. No matter if my son wants help with his homework or I have a billion dollar deal, if I don't have my minimum of an hour on my body, my mind, and my soul, I'm gonna put that first. If I have time to do the billion dollar deal afterwards, that's not a problem. But if I do not take care of myself, I cannot take care of anybody else. And my mission is to empower everyone else so that they can be happy. And I completely lose my mission in the end if you don't take care of yourself. No matter what your mission is, you can't give what you don't have. You gotta take care of yourself. The more you have, the more you can give. You need to appreciate what you have. Don't take for granted what other people are wishing for. Don't take for granted what you're wishing for. Appreciate, add value to what you have. Acknowledge it, acquire the knowledge of what you have simply by giving it away. With no trade or negotiation, judgment or condition, expectation or offense, just give it away unconditionally and then ask for more. Ask for more health, more wealth, more worthiness, more happiness. Fill that bigger void that you created by appreciating and adding value and expanding it. If you do not have your non-negotiables, and I'm telling you right now, if your number one non-negotiable is not your health, you are missing out because if you're healthy, you get as many wishes that you want and wishes are gold. If you're unhealthy, you only have one wish. And I've seen it from Steve Jobs to the richest men, the most successful women, every person in between. You don't wanna live with one wish. You want to live with as many wishes that you want. I appreciate that question. Please, everyone, take it to heart. Make your health your number one non-negotiable. Thank you. Wow, thank you. And just thank you always for your just authenticity. And don't ever apologize for crying. I, that's, I think, something that we all love about you. It happened at, at Glenn's conference as well. And it just shows how human and real you are. And, um, and just God bless you. Thank you. Thank you. All right, Jake, I'll take another question online. We've got five minutes, so I'm going to take a quick question and then maybe have one last person. Does that sound fair? That sounds really fair. Thanks, Dave. All right, let's get to a pragmatic question since uh, I've, I've shared enough emotions here. Uh, what are the top three qualities that you... Can we make you cry one more time? <laughs> yeah, at the end, at the end, at the end. Sorry. <laughs> Uh, what are the top three qualities that you look for when hiring an employee? Um, it's easy for me. Gratitude, number one. Gratitude. Man, if I can find someone that has a superpower of finding the light, the love, and the lessons, that is a, an appreciator, that add value to everything that they see, do, and hear, 
That's the number one quality. I look for great gratitude. I can teach everything else. The skills, no problem. Knowledge, I can help you and you can help me, but I cannot change that desire that you must be what you can be by being grateful. And then two, forgiving, because forgiving people are stretching people. Forgiving people are people that continue, continue to grow. They're not afraid of making mistakes, failures, and having setbacks. Forgiving people aren't afraid of pushing themselves until they make big mistakes. Forgiving people have no problem with that because they learn to forgive themselves and others. They don't project onto the person that cut them off some sort of anger, judgment, worry, anxiety, as if they've never cut anyone. They simply forgive themselves for cutting other people off and praying for the other person's happiness for making a mistake and bringing love to anger, enlightenment to anger. So I look for gratitude, forgiveness, and then finally, accountability. I look for people that are going to look for the lessons in it and take accountability for their actions and their results. They're not going to live in liability. I'm looking for gratitude, forgiveness, and accountability, which are the inspiration to enjoy the consistent, persistent pursuit of your potential. Uh, so I know there's the great resonation out there. Let's look for all those grateful people. Let's have a collective consciousness of open minds, open hearts, and open hands. All right, Jake, I got time for one more. Okay, let's go with uh, Mike Mamola. Mike, if you want to close us out. Absolutely. Good morning. Happy Friday, everyone. Dave, love, love, love that answer. Thank you. Uh, and I agree. I, I stopped apologizing for crying thanks to all of the lessons learning from you and others. It's just so powerful. But my question, Dave, is, you know, a lot of the conversations we have, people we're surrounded with, um, learning what we can learn. Is it more important to focus on our strength or weaknesses? So if you're great at something naturally, apply your time on that because you'll be better. Or if you're, you know, not so inclined, it's better, you know, master of uh, all, jack of all trades, master of none, but sometimes better than a thing to make yourself more versatile what are your thoughts on that time i think strength and weaknesses are a matter of location uh and so you know certain things that we do could be seen as strengths determined upon where they are um so being short for example that you and i share uh it's it's a weakness on the basketball it's, it's a weakness on the basketball court uh, but it certainly is a strength when you have to sit in a middle seat flying to Portugal. Uh, so, you know, I, I think the, the bigger lesson is one to identify our superpowers, our innate quantum powers that are aligned with the place that we're in. Uh, and then also learn to move uh, things that can be uh, perceived as weaknesses into a different place. Uh, but these are all uh, reconciled with the five daily practices because it's different days and different what's, who's, how's, now's, and applying why will produce different superpowers, different strengths. And if you don't know what your superpower is, I want to reiterate this to everyone. Make sure you're listening to what other people tell you you do that is so amazing. And even if it's simple for you, if people are telling you like Darian, you are amazing. That voice is amazing. And you're like, what are you talking about? I was born with this thing. I don't really have to do anything. But if that's the case, then lean into that and make it better. Spend 80% of the time on what feeds you, the superpowers, not what bleeds you. And if something's bleeding you, try to move it location so it can feed you. And if not, let it fall away. Another place to put it or fire it from your life. Another place to put it. 
That's one way we move weaknesses is allow them to fall away. We move things that bleed us by falling away and firing. All right, Mikey, we are at 7 a.m. Pacific time on the dot. I love you all. This is Friday Trading, BYOQ. If you want the finder's fee, the daily practices, the book, the Grover book even, I'll go buy that sucker and send it to you. I love that book. I'm going to read it again. Anyway, thank you everyone for sharing and collecting all of these great inspirational ideas in order to effectuate three things. I want everyone to go out today and make a lot of money, help a lot of people, have a lot of fun. Reach out to me, david at dmelzer.com. Thank you, everyone. Great training. We'll see you later. Be kind to your future self. Do good deeds.